Hey JCC fam, we are in a series called Cultivate. This series aims to move you from a place of complaining to a place of cultivating. In other words, I'm challenging you to be instrumental complainers. Don't be chronic complainers who only talk and talk and talk and talk about the bad things. You know what I mean? Don't be venters who simply are looking for others to side with you, but be an instrumental complainer. And instrumental complainers, they know how to cultivate their gardens. As we pondered upon this thought last week, they identify their gardens. They know which gardens are permanent. They know which gardens are temporary. They invest in their gardens because they know that unless they invest, they will not harvest. Mm -mm. And when they have identified and invested, what they do is enjoy their gardens. They, they enjoy the fruits of their labor. And that's what I'm asking you to do uh, in your life, to cultivate your garden. What is that? Uh, perhaps you did not catch that. We are on YouTube and you can catch us under the tag Jakarta Central Church. We're also on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. We put those sermons out there. So please get out there and listen. And we're asking you to also be a digital evangelist for us. Please share and like our content because unless you do it, unless you are right there helping us, the, the, the work that we are trying to do right here will not go as far as wise. So I challenge you today that share something uh, from JCC or Facts Alive and just, just post it out there. In fact, right now, maybe you can do a Facebook watch party and just right now, can you just share this a live link to somebody who needs the Word of God at this particular moment. Uh, today I want us to contemplate on 1 Samuel chapter 30. And this particular passage is extracted from a, a bad day in the life of David. A little bit about 1 Samuel, just to give you a little bit of, uh, of context. Uh, within the arrangement of Scripture, the book of 1 Samuel is a historical book. It helps us to see the transition between between the theocracy, which means a government led by God, to a monarchy, which means a, go a government led by kings. Uh, we come across Saul, and then we transition into David in the context of the historical narration of First Samuel. And we are visited with David's situation in this particular text because he's having a bad day. And perhaps you are having a bad day. And I want us to look at this particular text for a moment just to see how to turn a bad day into a good day. The text reads from your hearing. Now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, David was in Ziklag because he was a runaway from Saul. The Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken, the, the, had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. Just imagine you come home and your house has been raided, your family has been taken, and it's been, your house has been burned to the ground. That definitely would be a bad day. That's what's going on in this text. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burnt with fire. Mm -hmm. And their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Mm. Some days can be so bad that you have no more strength to weep. You, mm, you just don't know 
how are you going to handle it? And uh, you just cry and cry and you just have no more, no more strength. Notice how bad it became. David's two wives also had been taken captive. Now the text is trying to help us to see how this day affected David. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed. He was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, I thought we are together in this. But David is isolated and his men look at him as the enemy and they want to stone him. Have mercy. Because all the people were bitter in soul. Bitterness. They were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. It doesn't, doesn't mention wives here. The men were more concerned about their sons and daughters. Why, 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 why not wives? We'll talk about that another day. But David, but David, strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Let me just read that one more time. But David, strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Turn a bad day into a good day. Let us pray. Father God, thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray that your spirit will move mightily in this place. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to pace myself. I pray, Lord, that you'd help me to experience your power. And I pray, Lord, that this word may prosper in somebody's life. Thank you, O oh God, in just my prayer. Amen. On February 10th, Felicity Ace carrying thousands of thousands of precious goods caught fire. Felicity Ace was carrying Porsches, carrying Bentleys and Volkswagens. Felicity Ace was en route to the U.S. to feed the auto industry and car dealerships with these vehicles. The pandemic has already drummed, has already drugged the auto industry in the U.S. It's been tough. The news of Felicity Ace catching fire really wasn't good. To make matters worse, it's not known how the fire began. Perhaps it is because of the electric batteries in some of the cars. But they don't know. And to get to the bottom of the issue, it will take days upon days. They had to evacuate all the crew. And then uh, firefighting boats had to come in order to help the situation. You see, uh, some days become bad days like Felicity Ace. Uh, some days catch fire. Some days precious things change. Our moods get zapped. Our energy levels gets up. We lose stocks. We, we struggle at relationship, money tight. And sometimes a bad day is because of the tough conversation. Sometimes a bad day is because the outfit that you put on to get you ready for the interview. As you're going out of the door, you somehow are not so careful to know that there's a little loose wire. And that little loose wire catches onto your garment and it rips it. And the grab is waiting outside. You're already late and there's a tear in your garment. What are you going to do? <laughs> but uh, some days become a bad day because you plan to go catch the movie to watch Death on the Nile. 
or to watch another kind of movie that has recently come out and it gets canceled because you're afraid of the pandemic and you're no longer going out and that becomes a bad day. I don't know if you have bad days. I have bad days. There are days when I don't want to get out of bed. There are days when I feel angry. There are days when I do not want to go out and run. There are days when I don't feel like mounting the pulpit and preaching the word of God. There are days I don't feel like praying. I don't know if I'm speaking to somebody who has a bad day. There are days when I don't want to speak to nobody. There are days when I argue with my computer because it did not do the function I wanted it to do. There are days when I'm mad at my shoes. There are days when I'm mad at my mom and my dad and my siblings uh, for some reason, I just find it just tough. Uh, do you have bad days? I've got bad days. I got days I don't like. David is away on business and while he's away on business, he has left the city of Ziklag and protected the Amalekites to see this prime opportunity and they attack. Let me tell you a little bit about the Amalekites so you can just appreciate their historical situation. Uh, the Amalekites descended from Amalek. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. Esau was the brother of Jacob. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? Jacob was the father of the 12 tribes. David was one of the members of the 12 tribes. So in reality, the Amalekites are really distant family members of David, but they have decided to attack him. And sometimes it is family members that create a bad day in our situation. Now, now you, what you need to understand is that the, the, the Amalekites came from a situation uh, that shouldn't have happened. And I, I'm going to drop that for you in a moment. Uh, but you see, they attack the city of Ziklag. They take the wives of David captive. They take David's children, sons and daughters captive. They also take the wives and the children of the men of David captive. They turn them into slaves. That's why they took them alive. That's why they didn't kill them. Now, I want you to see something about this situation. This bad day shouldn't have happened. The Americans shouldn't have attacked David. This shouldn't have happened. I want to help somebody that not all bad days are circumstantial. Some bad days are created. Some bad days are because of you and not somebody else. It's because of the choices you have made. Uh, you understand how sometimes we have bad days because we slip late. And therefore, we're going through the day like a zombie. We're more snappy. We have to lean on Starbucks as our savior. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes our bad days is because we lied about it. And therefore, the truth has come out. And then somebody's putting us on blast because we lied about it. Amen, somebody. Sometimes a bad day is because you spilled water on your computer. You were not so careful, Pastor Henry. And therefore, because you spilled water on the computer, you have had to take your computer to the service center. And the service center said to you, we need three months to resolve this situation if it's going to be all right. And now you are having a bad day. You're wondering, Pastor Henry, how am I going to prepare sermons? How am I going to write sermons? How am I going to preach sermons? Because you were not so careful to remove the water from your laptop. Are you feeling what I'm saying? Uh, some bad days is because we are the ones to blame for them. We have been the ones who have created them. I agree with Charles Swindle when he says 10% of what happens to you 
is because of circumstance. 90% is how you react to it. It's our attitudes that often determine whether a day is going to be bad or good. You see, in David's case, however, watch this now. It was not his choice that created this bad day. Saul somehow got better ideas to say to himself, God has told me to kill the Amalekites, but I don't want to kill them all. You know the story. God told uh, Saul, I want you to annihilate king. I want you to annihilate servant. I want you to annihilate wife and husband. I want you to annihilate children. I want you to annihilate every livestock. Uh, but Saul got to, uh, to the situation and he's fighting with Amalek and he says, Oh, I think we can use this at the temple. Oh, I think we shouldn't kill everybody. I don't know what God is thinking for me to kill everybody. I don't know what God is thinking for me to destroy everybody. So let me keep back. And you know how the story went. Samuel had to come and tell Saul, Saul, you shouldn't have done this. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. He's, he's being told, it's better for you to do what God says. It's better for you to live within the will of God than for you to live outside of his will. <laughs> did you just hear what I said? It's better to live within the will of God than outside of his will. And therefore, because Saul chose to live outside of God's will, that had been specified, that had been commanded, that had been clarified... He created a bad day in the life of David many, many years later. So living outside of God's will is a sure way to have a bad day. You need to understand that some of our bad days is because of past disobedience. It's because of us understanding the will of God, but we do not obey the will of God. And therefore, we are suffering. Some of us, we are in debt today because we have chosen not to give God his 10%. Some of us, our health is failing because we don't live within the will called the Sabbath. When God says, six days you shall labor and the seventh you shall rest. And that is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Some of us are struggling today because we did not understand God's pre-directed pre, pre, pre will on sexual morality. When he says, do not sin against your own body. Some of us have chosen to live outside of God's will by not telling the truth, even though it's painful. And therefore, because of living outside of God's will, we're experiencing bad days. And how sad it is that Saul's decision not to kill the Amalekites is a infecting and impacting the day of David. Because you and I need to understand that no man is an island. What I decide is going to affect you and what you decide is going to affect me. And what you decide is going to affect your friends. It's going to affect your family. It's going to affect your country. It's going to affect your company. It's going to affect your culture. And some of us today are putting our families in danger because of the decisions that we're making today. The moment we go down the grave, our family is going to have to struggle with debt. The moment that we leave the country, our family is going to struggle with their paperwork. The moment that we are out of the situation, those who are behind us are going to suffer because of that. Our overworking is affecting our kids. Our lack of spiritual disciplines in the family is going to impact their spiritual lives. And therefore, what you are going to reap in the future is because of living outside of God's will today. You see, I don't want to plaster all the blame on Saul for this bad day. I want to look at David now. 
Because you see, David understood. David understood that, that I should not live in enemy territory. Because David made a calculation. It's either I stay in Israel and I die, or I go to Ziklag and I live. So, so, so watch this situation. And he had every legit reason to go to Ziklag. But he had been anointed as king. He had no reason to run away because the same God who had protected him from bears, the same God who had allowed him to kill lions, he was going to protect him from Saul. He had no reason to run away. But David made a choice out of fear instead of faith. And therefore, on one day when he has left his family unprotected, the Amalekites say it's time for us to pounce and to trounce on the stupidity and the lack of faith of David. And therefore, we're going to take advantage of this situation. So, so some of our bad days, we have to take responsibility for them because it is us who has made certain decisions and it has created that situation in our lives. You see, when something happens bad in your life, I want you to always look at yourself first. Because whenever something bad happens, there's always some kind of blame you have in this situation. You know the saying, it takes two to tango? Yes, anything bad that happens in your life, there is something that you can take blame for. Ah, come on now, Pastor. I was mugged on the street. How is that my fault? Well, perhaps... You did not know, uh, the, you did not know about the street. You did not know the history of the street. Perhaps you walking at uh, 10 at night was not a good idea. Are you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, perhaps the house is never clean. And you are blaming the maid for not cleaning the house. But perhaps you never made it clear how you wanted the maid to clean the house. <clears throat> so you have the blame of not making it clear to the maid of how to clean the house. Are you feeling what I'm saying? Perhaps the, the, the grab driver took you in the wrong direction. Yet you didn't say anything about the direction you wanted to go. So you have the blame in that particular situation. So you and I need to learn how to take blame for some of the situations that are going on in our lives. We need to look at ourselves and say, you know what? What did I do in this situation that is part of me? It may be 5% blame. It may be a little bit, but that little bit will still be enough for you <laughs> to say, you know what? I did something. And so here, David also has to take responsibility because he is not living within the will of God. And brother and sister, anytime you and I do not live within the will of God, we will have to take blame for that. We will have to check ourselves for that. Now you can ask me, Pastor, how do I know God's will? So I was reading this book called Decision Making and the Will of God. And if you're really interested in how to make better decisions in your life, I encourage you to pick it up. And if you, you, can, you can check on me and I can give you the reference to this book. Decision Making and the Will of God, written by Gary Friesen. And I want to help you right now. Gary Friesen says something so beautiful that I think is important as we are reflecting on how we can live within the will of God. He says, whatever God commands, you must do. Wherever God did not command, you are free to decide in wisdom. And when you have decided, decided in wisdom, you can be okay to know that God is going to see you through in the decision that you have made. Again, whatever God has commanded, you must obey without question. 
But whatever God has not commanded, you are free to decide based upon wisdom. You must ask yourself certain questions. Is, it, is this good for me? Is this the right decision to make? Is this going to impact me? How? But once you have decided, based upon knowing the will of God on the situation, you are free to live your life. And this liberated me so much. Let me give you a biblical example, and then I'm going to break it down and, and kind of come at you with it. God told Adam, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat of it. Did you get that? God commanded Adam, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but the tree that is in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat of it. So Adam's responsibility was to obey the one command God gave. Don't eat this tree. So you and I need to operate like that. What is the one tree that God has commanded for us not to eat? And we must not eat it. You understand what I'm saying? Let me tell you a couple of trees that God has said you should not eat from. One tree that God has said you should not eat from is the Sabbath tree. Do not work on that day. Do not, do not work on that day. Don't eat on that tree. But of the other six days, you may freely eat. Amen, somebody. God has said, do not eat on the tree of marrying somebody who is not of your same faith. But anybody else who's of the same faith as you, you may freely eat. And by the way, when I say same faith, I'm asking you to ask yourself, is this person sharing the same kind of Adventism that I'm sharing? Do we have the same understanding on faith? Do we believe the same things about the Sabbath, about the second coming of Jesus? Do we believe the same things about the great controversy? Do we have the same views about giving tithe? Do we have the same understanding of what it means to be healthy? You need to check yourself like that. That's, that's what it means to have faith compatibility. You see, God has given us so many trees in the word of God. He says, do not lie. <laughs> and then from taking that command and you, you're free to discuss and share whatever, as long as you, you do not lie. And so you and I need to appreciate the commands of God and that's his will. And when we have known that clearly, we no longer need to pray. Okay, Lord, what should I do? How should I live? How? No, 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 no. As long as you're obeying the one thing you know is clear and he has specified, you're free to live your life. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, Adam didn't have to go and say, God, okay, so should I eat the guava tree? No. God said, you may freely eat. <laughs> Just don't eat of the tree that is in, in the middle of the garden. And that's what you and I need to appreciate about the will of God. It is not restrictive. In fact, it is, it is protective. God wants you to be protected. God wants you to live the best possible life. And some of our bad days is because we have chosen to be outside of God's will. You see, I believe that it is not God's will for a child of God to be in debt if we only know the will of God. It is not God's will for us to suffer through divorce if we only knew the, if we only know the will of God. It is not God's will for a child of God to be in doubt. It ain't God's will for, for, for his children to be the tail and not the head. God wants us to live the best possible lives. And when we only appreciate his will, then we are going to walk with our head held high. And even when the day is bad, we can be happy to know that, hey, at least I know I'm in the will of God right here. At least I'm walking and I'm tracking with the Lord. But there's something else I need you to understand that is good about God. That even though we can sometimes go outside of God's will, yet God finds a way to sprinkle in a little mercy. Amen, somebody? Ooh, I like that. God finds a way to sprinkle in a little bit of mercy. And notice how verse 2 reads, 
But let me begin in verse 1. It says, The Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, uh, but carried them off and went their way. See, on some bad days, some things will take you away, but they won't kill you. <clears throat> some things will shake you up, but they won't shut you down. Some things will, will trouble you, but they won't take you out. Some things will make you worry, but they will not get worse. Because God finds a way to exercise his mercy. On January 27th, I spilled water on my laptop. I know I've shared this story again, but I just want to come back to it. On that day, I spilled water on my laptop. And you know what? I wasn't sure what was going to happen to my laptop, but I did what every normal human being would do is that I quickly flipped over my laptop to make sure that the laptop does not sink into the CPU area, the hard drive area, and the memory area. I made sure of that. Uh, but as soon as I flipped it over, I could see that water is sipping into my monitor and I shut it down and I put the laptop off for about 24 hours. And then I decided to turn it on and I wasn't sure that it was going to turn on, but it turned on. And then when I went to the service center, they told me your warranty is gone. You have to go to this place and have it checked out. And so I decided to go and have it checked out. And they told me, guess what? You don't have the warranty, but you have insurance. And right there, I said, well, Lord, this is your mercy. First of all, the laptop is turning on. Second of all, I've lost the warranty, but I still have insurance, so I can still fix the, the situation. It is bad, of course, but I still have something good to look forward to in this particular situation. I don't know if I'm speaking to somebody right now that when things look bad, there is always something good to look into. Uh, when things don't look right, there is always something that shows you it's going to be all right. When it looks worse, you know that there is something you can get out of that situation that can make you a winner. When it goes bad, please understand that there's something good in that particular situation. Uh, you see, God finds a way to sprinkle in his mercy when the days have gone bad. And right here in our text, we see that the wives and the children of David are taken away, they're carried away, but they're not killed. They were not killed. The city was burnt with fire. They were taken as slaves, but they were not killed. Uh, God is showing David, David, there is still mercy in, in spite of you living outside of my will. There is still mercy in spite of you doing what I don't want you to do. And is there somebody here who's going to attest to this situation uh, that God found a way to help you in the struggle? Uh, that God found a way to show you his mercy in the situation. And when the diagnosis came, at the same day, the money was transferred in the bank. Amen, somebody. Uh, when your money looked funny, somebody found a way to give you a stimulus package and that you were able to meet your bills. Uh, when your car almost hit another car, at the last minute you find a way to jump out of the way and you were walking trying to cross a street on Gatut Sobroto and there was a car coming and all of a sudden you looked and you jumped out of the way and said, Lord, thank you for saving my life. Uh, you, you see, God finds a way uh, to give us a little bit of mercy. Uh, there was that day when you're about to say something critical. 
That could have broken your marriage. That could have broken your relation. That could have broken uh, your job. But God found a way to stop you from speaking and spilling out foolishness. Uh, there was that day when you're about to get into an argument with your kid or your wife or whoever you love. And God says, you know what? Uh, it's not the day for that today. Let's, let's keep on moving. Uh, please understand that whenever things go bad in our lives, God finds a way to sprinkle in his mercy. He finds a way to sprinkle in his grace. He finds a way to sprinkle in his favor. And, and, and this should allow you to understand uh, that even when you have done so many bad things, God hasn't left you alone. Even though you have made foolish decisions, God hasn't deserted you. Even though you may feel like you are alone, that God is always walking with you every step of the way. And is there somebody here who is willing to praise the Lord for his mercy on the bad days? Praising God for his goodness that he's never left you alone. And please believe that however bad it looks, God is still there. And please believe no matter how broke you are, you're going to eat every day. And please believe no matter how diseased you are, disease ain't going to win. And please believe that even though you've been dumped, you are not a dumpster. Please believe that even though you feel like the, the job is not producing what you want, you are still going to grow and get to this nation that God has marked out for your life. Please understand that a bad day, a bad month, a bad year, a bad couple of years do not determine your life. God still has mercy on your life. The fact that you live, the fact that you are breathing, the fact that you are talking, the fact that you are thinking is God saying, my son, my daughter, I still have mercy on you. And don't allow the day, no matter how bad it is, to distract your faith. No matter how bad it is to stop you from believing in me. No matter how bad the situation is at home to stop you from holding on to me. Because I love you and I ain't going to let you go. And is there somebody here who can say, Lord, I didn't know how I was going to make it, but I made it. Lord, I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills, but Lord, I did it. Lord, I didn't know how I was going to get out of this foot pain, but all of a sudden I woke up and I could walk again. Is there somebody here who can praise God? For his goodness. Is there somebody here who can say, Lord, thank you. And if you are that person, I just want you to write on the live chat right now and say, I'm praising God. I want to praise God for the good things. I want to hear from you. I want to hear the testimony of how good God has been. So anytime you and I go through difficult situations, God is always there to sprinkle in a little bit of mercy. And, and let me, let me bring this a little bit closer to you so you can understand. You see, David lost it all. So he thought, but he didn't lose it because God didn't allow his kids and his wives to be killed. <clears throat> Which tells me that God found a way to protect David. The Amalekites had cruel intentions because by not killing the wives and the children, they wanted to make them slaves. But what David didn't see, and what the Americans didn't see is that God's hand of protection was over his children. And so please believe that his mercy sometimes is that people may have cruel intentions on you. They may want to use you and to abuse you. They may want to preclude you. They may want to exclude you. They may want to damn you. They may want to destroy you. They may want to denigrate you. But God will use their cruel intentions to protect you. 
You may not be in the boardroom and people may be discussing your name and they may want to scratch your name off the list. They may want to scratch your name off the payroll, but God will find a way to protect your name and keep you on the list. Amen, somebody. You, your name may be discussed for a scholarship and people may say, no, we don't need to give me a scholarship. Shit, I didn't deserve it, but God will find a way to say, no, this scholarship, I want you to give it to him or to her. Uh, when people are doing bad things behind your back, please understand God is going to be in their front and stand up for you. Uh, it's because God operates that way. When you're on his side, he will make sure that you ride on the high places of the earth. When you're on his side, he'll make sure that you ride in the good places. He'll make sure that you experience his goodness and his grace. And so please understand that whatever you are going through, however bad it looks like, God has a plan and God is going to see you through in that situation. You don't need to worry. You don't need to stress. You don't need to fret. It's going to turn out all right. Amen, somebody. And that's what I want somebody to appreciate today, that God is fighting for you. Yeah, he's fighting for you. I know God is fighting for me. So I, I don't allow my bad days to reduce me to a chronic complainer or inventor. But rather, I allow those bad days to make me an instrumental complainer. Even if I do not know anything to do about the situation, I can still find something to praise God for. And I can still say, hallelujah, praise be to your name. You see, I, I saw something else that I, I want you to see as I was looking at David's bad day. And it is this. In his mercy, God sometimes allows us to lose what's so dear so that we can, we can know that he's so near. Ah, that, that's good. Let me just say that one more time. In his mercy, God allows us to lose what's so dear so that we can know that he's near. David lost something in this, in this text. The men of David lost something in this text. The wives and the children also lost something in this text. They lost each other. Families lost each other. David lost something a little bit more because when you look at verse 4 and 5, it says, it says, Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Can you see what David is losing? David is losing his loyalty of his men. He's lost his family and now he's lost the loyalty of his men. And he's about to lose his life. All those are dear things. And how funny it is that the men that were so loyal to him are now turning disloyal to him. Why? Because they have lost... Those precious things, those dear things. Take toys from a child and you see a child turn into Lion King 4. You feel me what I'm saying? You see, when you take something that is dear from somebody, that person can turn into something that you don't expect. Take a relationship from someone. Hmm? Parents, you're trying to stop love. You're trying to get in the way of your ch child's relationship. You will see how they react to you. Uh, take honor from a person and see what they'll do to you. Take a woman from a man or a man from a woman and, and, and see what, what will happen. When people lose what's dear, or oh, they turn into something else. They can become the terminator. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
That's why these men are turning against David because they have lost something so dear. And David is not as dear as their wives and their children, and rightfully so. And that day David understood <laughs> what his men cared about. But to, to me, I'm like, wait a minute, they, 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 are, they are ready to stone David? Like, whoa, that's so serious. David had never been so alone in his life as at this particular moment. And God was trying to communicate to, uh, to, to David to help him to understand the situation carefully uh, for him to, to know and to realize that you may lose dear things in your life. Some things are not long-lasting. When circumstances change, things will also change in your life. And that's why you and I need to always put things in proper order in our lives. Some things we should not treasure so much. Some things we should not value as much. Because the moment they go, then we're going to realize where we've been standing on. David lost the honor of his men. He, he stood alone. David had never been so alone in his life. He had never been so forsaken in his life. And right here, I see Jesus, who also stood alone in his life. His men deserted him from the Garden of Gethsemane. He was left all alone to stand in front of Pilate. And to stand in front of the Jewish leaders. He was all alone as he was being beaten and lashed on his back. He was all alone as he was carrying that heavy cross going to Golgotha. He was all alone as they hoisted him up on the tree like a picture in a photo frame. He was all alone when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was all alone right there dying for the sins of the world. And you know why he was alone? He was alone because of you. He was alone because of me. He was alone because he was thinking about your sins and he was thinking about my sins. He was alone because he was thinking about our depression. He was alone because he was thinking about our debt. He was alone because he was thinking about our diseases. He was alone because he wanted to make a way for us to find him as the way, the truth and the life. He was alone because he wanted us to be in a better place and in a better situation. He was all, all alone because he wanted to lift us up and bring us closer to him. He was all alone because he knew that this life could not produce for us what it needed to produce. He was all alone because he understood that people will fail us. He was all alone because he understood that money is fleeting, that fame is fleeting, that property is fleeting, that influence is fleeting. He was all alone because he understood that unless he was all alone, we would be left all alone. And you and I need to just give God praise at this particular moment that Jesus was willing to stand alone so that you and I didn't need to be alone and today brother and sister you don't have to be alone circumstances may have changed things may have left you but God hasn't left you alone the Bible says I will be with you even until the end of the age the Bible says that I'll never leave you nor forsake you the Bible says I've gone to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back soon the Bible says I've given you my spirit that can walk with you and talk with you and lead you along I have never left you alone I'm right here with 
with you. And so, brother and sister, if you feel alone today, do not allow that to make you think you're alone, but rather walk in faith, claim his promises, and live by his word. Amen, somebody. So David understood that I'm all alone. I got nowhere else to turn to. And the text, <laughs> the text says something beautiful. Just before I tell you what the text says, you see, you can live without electricity, you can, you can live without charging your phone, but there's one thing you cannot live with, without, and that is water. You need water. Water in many ways is like the presence of God. And right here in this text, David finds God. The Bible says, all the men spoke of stoning him, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The text says David was greatly distressed. He was, he was in, a, in a bad situation. But David knew that he was not alone, so he turned himself to the presence of God. And this is what I want to leave you with. You see, the presence of the Lord makes a difference between a bad day and a good day. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He says, I'm going through a bad day. It's a bad situation, but I got God. <clears throat> I've been got by the bad day. I'm almost being stoned because of this bad day, but I've got God. I've got God. Can you just say that right, right now? I've got God. David says, I've got God. So he strengthened himself in his God. Notice what David didn't do. He didn't say, Lord, why me? <clears throat> David didn't complain that I've been giving so much, Lord, but why am I struggling? David didn't say, I've done it all right, Lord, but why am I going through this situation? No, David didn't complain. David became an instrumental complainer. He went to God and strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. David turned his bad day into a good day because he recognized the valuable value of the presence of God. You see, I'm an avid basketball fan. So I watch NBA games on League Pass. Now, because of where my apartment is situated, sometimes my internet connection is not so good. Sometimes it, it's, it's up and down. So I've made a contingency that if my Wi-Fi ain't working well, I will use my data to still be able to catch the games. Uh, you see, I wish you and I could make such contingencies that will stay connected at all times with God, that we'll find ways in order to get closer to Him, that will make sure that when the day turns bad, we have that Bible verse to turn to. Amen, somebody. If we don't have the Bible verse, we'll keep a song in our heart so that we can just find a way to sing praises to the Lord. If we cannot think of a song to sing to God, we will find that sermon on YouTube that is going to find a way to pick us up. If YouTube can't work, we will be ready with our version app and go to it and find that inspiration. If version ain't working, we will find the sweet hour of prayer and turn our attention to that. 
I don't know if you're making those kind of contingencies in your life that when a day has gone bad, when it doesn't look good, that you find yourself in the presence of the one who is all good, the one who is almighty, the one who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who knows how to walk on water, the one who knows how to create by the word of his mouth, the one who knows how to defeat sin, the one who knows how to make the dead walk again, the one who knows how to turn water into why the one who knows how to be in the presence of God the one who knows that he's going to recreate this world I don't know if you've made contingencies like that in your life today you see when you're going through a bad day it's an opportunity for you to check where you are in relation to your God it's an opportunity for you to realign yourself with God and to walk in step with God and to be aligned with him but too many of us we stay in the pity party we poop the party by, by, by thinking about how bad it is. We replay the situation. We go over their mistakes. We replay what they did, what they said, and how they looked at us and how they treated us. We look at how destroyed it is. We focus on how we're going to get the new thing. We worry about how we're going to pay the bills. But they understand that when you're going through a bad day, God is saying, can you come to me? Can we talk about it? Can we discuss it? Can we see this situation well? There are times people have said to me, can you come to me and talk to me about it? And sometimes, to be honest, I'm not willing to go and to come and talk about it because I find the person may be dangerous or I'm afraid to speak about the situation to them. But please understand that God is not somebody to be afraid of. Please understand that God is not going to destroy your life. Please understand that God is interested to talk about you. The Bible says that the very hairs on your head are numbered. So if the very hairs on your head are numbered, what is your bad grade? That you can't talk to him about it. Mm -hmm. What is not getting the promotion that you can't promote yourself into his presence? Hmm? If the very hairs of your head are numbered, it means that God is concerned about everything in your life. From A to Z, from Z to A, from A1 to B1 to B to C1. He's concerned with all the details in your life. He's concerned about the main points in your life. He's concerned about the sub points in your life. He's concerned about the explanations in your life. He's concerned about the application in your life. He's concerned about how you are living your life. He wants everything. And so when something has gone bad, God is simply saying to you, come to me. So let's make it a point that this week you and I are going to find a way to get to God and to look to God. You say I got bad news today. Bad days are not going to stop coming your way. Bad days ain't going to stop. Mothers, your kids will get sick on the day of the interview. Fathers, the check will be tight at the end of the month. Uh, brothers, your brother may fail to pick you up when you need him to pick you up. Uh, brothers, your sister will eat your food when you have been dreaming and planning about to eat that food when you get home. So the question is, what are you going to do on those bad days? What are you going to do on those bad situations? I'm telling you, find strength in the Lord. Uh, the text is very clear. David found strength in the Lord. Not in himself, in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Because on bad days, you need strength in the Lord. Uh, the Hebrew term is kazak, which means strength, which means might. And God is that. He's might. He's strong. You're not as strong as God.
but he's strong. And the Bible says David found strength in the Lord, his God. He did not find strength in the Lord, the God of Abiathar, or the God of <laughs> the God of Saul, or the God of Samuel. He did not find strength in the God of Moses, in the God of Isaac. Are you feeling what I'm saying? He did not find strength in the God of Jesse, or Abinadab, or Jeroboam. He found strength in the Lord, who? His God. In the Lord, his God. That is a personal connection that David had. So he found strength because he knew God at a personal level. He found strength because he knew God at a one-on-one -on -one level. David and God had a DM kind of relationship. They could DM each other. David and God could, could WhatsApp each other. David and God had their own group. David had God's number. So he knew how to call on God. And you and I need to get to that place that God is so personal that whatever is going on in our life, we can be able to go to him and to, to, to find the strength that we need. And unless you and I can come to that place that God is the one who can give us the strength, then the day is going to zap our strength. The disease is going to damage our health. The doubt is going to mislead our faith. The bills are going to bind us in debt. But when we go to God, he's going to be able to help us and give us a struggle that help us in the struggle that we are going through. Uh, while reading a book, entitled 12 questions to ask before you get married the author say that one of the questions you need to ask in in desire to get married is are you willing to grow up and they make the case that many of the issues that people face in marriage are, are not really bill issues they're not really money issues they're really issues with immaturity uh, are you willing to, to, to deal with the issue in a mature way? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to understand? He says, that's the first question you need to ask. Are you willing to mature? Are you willing to grow up? You see, it takes spiritual maturity not to blame God for a bad situation. It takes spiritual maturity not to ask why or how come. It takes spiritual maturity to not demand certain things from God. Uh, but you see, the spiritually mature they know how to praise God when it has gone wrong. The spiritually mature know how to live by every word of God, not by every post. The spiritually mature, they know how not to lash out at people, but rather to go to God and speak to him about it. You see, the spiritually mature are those people who really know how to turn a bad day into a good day because they understand that things do happen. Things may not turn away, turn out the way that they want them to turn out. But they find a way to go back to God. And so when things get hard, are you spiritually mature enough to go to God and find strength in Him? Are you spiritually mature enough to say, you know what, Lord? Yeah. Yeah. I may not understand it, but it don't mean that you are the reason for this. And this morning, I came to call you to spiritual maturity. I came to call you to grow up. I came to call you to believe and to trust that God is good. I came to call you to stop complaining. I came to call you to be an instrumental complainer that finds a way to find God. 
Some of us are too spiritually mature. We're not grown up yet, but today we can do that. I know you have to do is say, Lord, I want to grow up. Lord, I want to move from a place or a posture of complaining. I want to move to a posture of cultivating. I want to have faith and not fear. I want to believe and trust in you. And there's somebody like that who's saying, I want to grow up today. I don't want to be at this same level again. I don't want to keep myself in a bad situation or uh, make a bad day, destroy my day. I want to grow up and I want to elevate myself. Is there somebody here who's saying, Lord, I've been living outside of your will. There's things you have commanded in your word that I've not been doing. But now I understand that that's your will. I want to live in that and I want to be free from a life that's outside of your will. And Lord, I want to make sure that I don't put myself in a situation that is going to cause those who are coming after me to also be in a bad situation. And there's somebody here who's saying, I want to give my life over to Jesus. I understand that I'm never alone, but he's right there with me every step of the way. And he's never going to let me go. And he's never going to leave me alone. And are you saying today, Lord, I want to give my life over to Jesus. And if you are making that particular decision, I want you to understand that next month on March 26th, we're going to have a baptism. And you can be a part of that. We can begin with you today, getting you studying. We can help you to understand what it means to be a believer in Jesus. And we can help you live the life that you want to live. And so, brother and sister, it's time that we stop living in bad days. But rather, we turn those bad days into good days because we understand that God is with us and he's not going to leave us alone and he's going to walk with us every step of the way. So every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, I want to thank you because of your word today. It has spoken to us, it has challenged us, and has helped us to be in a situation in which we can be better and greater. And I want to ask you, Lord, that you may do something amazing and miraculous in our lives. Help us, Lord, to love you. Help us, Lord, to trust you. And help us not to be, to be destroyed because of bad days. Bless your people. Grant them your grace. For this I humbly pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yeah, yeah, I know that that word did something to you and you want to respond. And I want to give you the opportunity to respond. The number is on the screen. Reach out to us. To us. We want to pray with you. We want to counsel you. We want to study with you. And perhaps today you're saying you want to give your life over to Jesus. That is the best decision you can ever make. And you can make that too. We are here to serve your needs. We're here to take care of you. And we'd be more than glad to help you transition to the level of faith you need to live. If the Lord has inspired you to partner with, with us in ministry, Please do the same as well. The account number is on the screen. And please give us uh, any love gift in any amount that God has inspired you to give. And I, I bet and I believe that it is going to take us to the next level of proclaiming the love of Jesus. May God bless you. And I'm going to see you very soon. Take care.